You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. And as usual, we're going to be rounding up the latest transfer news, the latest transfer stories. We're going to be discussing some of those reports. I'll be sharing with you guys my thoughts on them, as well as getting your thoughts, views and questions from the live chat. I wonder if we can get through an entire podcast today an entire podcast recording without hearing a lawnmower, a dog barking or anything like that. Just pure bliss in the background, pure silence. Oh, there goes a motorbike going by. Knew it wouldn't last very long. Right. Let's uh, let's uh, let's get on with it. And uh, of course, today, Friday, 16th of July is the day uh, that Arsenal have released their new home kit. Now, I just was interested to get you guys' thoughts on the new home kit because I'm not a massive fan of it, but when I tweeted about it a few weeks ago and said that I wasn't a massive fan about it, that it looked a bit like an Ajax kit to me. I'm not sure about that bit down the side of white. I got a lot of kind of pushback from from Arsenal fans um, sort of telling me, no, actually, it's it's very nice. It's beautiful. What's wrong with you? It's you, not the kit. And I kind of took myself into thinking that, yeah, maybe it is me. Maybe it is me and not the kit. But the more I look at the kit, and I'm going to share it with you guys now on the screen for those of you watching uh, on YouTube, the more I look at it, the more I think I was probably right. I, I don't know. It's just my personal opinion. I I can't get behind it. I'll tell you the bit I don't like. And, and looking at this picture now, the, the blue stripes across the top, where is the uh, where has that come from? I mean, I think that would look so much better in white. I don't mind the little bit of blue trim around the bottom of the sleeve. Um I'm not a massive fan of the shorts and socks either. I don't like the way on the socks in particular, the stripes go one way. Um, you know, I, I just I just don't like them. I just don't like the socks. I'm not a big fan of hooped socks or striped socks. I like them to be all white or all red in my personal opinion. But yeah, just interested to get some of your thoughts uh, on the kit. Aubameyang there, um, Bukayo Saka among some of the others, Kieran Tierney too, uh, modeling the new kit. And you can find it. Uh, on the Arsenal Direct website now. It is available for you to purchase from now. So Arsenal releasing their new home kit, and I guess we'll get a good glimpse of it uh, and a good look at it on Saturday because Arsenal are due to wear it in their game against Rangers. And so sometimes in the past, I admit, I've looked at kits and gone, I don't really like that. And then I've seen it being worn in an actual match situation and, and the full thing in one picture on the players. And I've gone, you know what? It's not so bad. So maybe I'll feel like that on Saturday. Maybe I'll feel like that after uh, getting to see Arsenal in action wearing that kit. But for me, initial thoughts, I'm not a massive fan. But on the other hand, I absolutely love the yellow one. I think it's beautiful. I've, I've bought that one already because I like it so much. Um, this one, I'm, I'm sure I will buy it. I normally buy the home kits, but I'm not rushing to the shops for it, if that makes sense. But that's enough about kits. That's enough about colour schemes and stripes here and stripes there. Let's focus 
on today's big transfer story. And that is the reports linking Arsenal with a move for the Dutch midfielder, Teun Koopminers. Now, Teun Koopminers currently plays his football for RZ Alkmaar in the Netherlands. He's a player that is highly rated on the continent, a player that a lot of you guys have mentioned in the chat box, actually, in the last few days, asking me if I like him. Is he somebody that I'd be happy to see Arsenal pick up? And the report comes from The Telegraph, the Dutch media outlet who are claiming that Arsenal have shown an interest in the player. Now, Teun Koopminers is, as I say, widely admired, and it's alleged that there is another Premier League club in the running to sign him. That Premier League club is said to be Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, Brighton and Hove Albion, it seems, already planning on how they're going to spend that Ben White money. But Brighton are among the clubs interested, as are Atalanta, who have played some wonderful football under Gian Piero Gasparini in recent seasons and have Champions League football to offer to the player, uh, which is something that strangely, well, maybe not strangely, but Arsenal can't. I mean, I never thought growing up that there would ever be time, a time, when... Um, when I was a uh, when I was looking at Arsenal and Atalanta and suggesting that Atalanta's ability to give somebody Champions League football over Arsenal would be kind of maybe the decisive point. So, yeah, it's a strange time. But Atalanta, um, if you listen to the Serie A show, you'd have heard me bang on about them quite regularly over the last few years. They play football in such an exciting and expansive way. They've got a really good project going on there. And you can see why a lot of players are quite keen to join Atalanta. It feels like the perfect stepping stone at the moment between, you know, a club that obviously are competing at the highest level in the Champions League and at the top end of Serie A, but aren't necessarily that glamour club. They're not, they're the, they're a good step in kind of taking your game up to the next level. Um, you know, trying yourself in a maybe stronger league in the case of someone moving from the Eredivisie and then using them as a bit of a kind of springboard to to jump onto a bigger and more glamorous football club. But Atalanta in the running, Brighton are in the running, and the French side, Rennes, are said to hold an interest in the player too. Now, we've talked a lot in recent weeks when discussing William Saliba, Matteo Guendouzi, uh, Hussein Awa. We've talked a lot about just how much French football has been impacted by the coronavirus pandemic. And um, for that reason... I think Arsenal would probably feel quite confident that they could outbid Wren. I think Arsenal actually would probably feel quite confident that they could outbid all of those three sides I've mentioned, Brighton, Atalanta and Wren. Um, you know, Arsenal have a bigger appeal than Brighton. I'm sorry that I'm going to say it. Uh, you know, if you're a Brighton fan and you're listening to this, which I doubt you are, because why would you be? But if you are, uh, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. Arsenal have a bigger appeal as a football club than either of those sides. But... Atalanta's maybe ability to offer in Champions League football and the project that is going on there does feel like it is a a kind of tool that Atalanta can use in terms of a pro, uh, attracting players because they have really uh, sort of propelled themselves up uh, among sort of Europe's elite and and are highly rated and there's so much kind of said and made of that project that they could be a competitor if Arsenal are indeed serious about going after Teun Koopminers. Now, he's 23 years old, and whilst he predominantly plays as a defensive midfielder, um, that's what we're kind of seeing from the statistics. When you look at where he's played, that is the position that's highlighted in bold. He is also capable of playing as a central midfielder, so not an attacking midfielder, but kind of a number six 
Uh, he's a number six and a bit of a number eight as well. I think he can do either of those jobs, which would give Mikel Arteta uh, some flexibility in terms of how he uses him as well. Because if you think about where we are as a team right now, there's been a lot of discussion as to whether Arsenal are going to stick with the 4-2-3-1 or if Arsenal are planning to evolve that into a 4-3-3. And Tayon Koopminers would be someone that I think could fit into either of those two systems. And that might appeal to Arsenal. We talk about our midfield maybe not scoring enough goals, not contributing enough in the final third. That's certainly been a big problem for Arsenal in recent years. But Tayon Koopminers uh, has scored an impressive 35 goals in 114 Eredivisie appearances. Now, that's almost one in three. For somebody who predominantly plays as a deep-lying defensive midfield player, that is an incredible statistic. It's really, really positive. He's also produced 12 assists in that time as well. Uh, so Teon Koopminers will add, in theory, something more to the side than what we currently have in terms of our midfielders contributing and maybe at times taking the weight off of the, the forwards when it comes to scoring goals and providing assists. Now, according to Transfermarkt, his market value as it stands right now is £14.85 million, so just below the £15 million mark. And I always say every time I quote a figure from that website, these are not gospel figures, right? These are not figures that you should look at and say they are absolutely 100% spot on. They are figures um, that are calculated based on uh, a kind of formula that is in place. And that's the value that they've come to. So just shy of 15 million pounds. The report from the Telegraph claims that he could be available for around about 20 million pounds. And it feels like this is another one of those opportunities that the the coronavirus pandemic has served up to clubs who are in a position to spend money, um, you know, and and it's one that we might be looking to take advantage of. I think that the midfield search has been, you know, the the bit that a lot of us are kind of being concerned about so far because we've heard a few names banded about. None of those transfers have, have come to fruition yet. We think that Albert Laconga's announcement is imminent. We thought that it might have been announced yesterday on Thursday. There were reports claiming that was going to be the case. It didn't happen. We do believe it will come in the next couple of days or so. But beyond Laconga, it feels like Arsenal need to do more business and more significant business. And Tayon Koopminers looks a, a decent player and a player who um, would fit into the kind of new ethos that we're seeing. Players of a certain age, players with the potential to grow and develop and also maintain their sell-on value. Arsenal have never really, in recent years anyway, looked at things in that way. And it's been a problem because we've then ended up giving big players, you know, at 27, 28, five-year contracts. And when they come towards the end of that contract, their performance level drops, their value drops, the contract situation makes it difficult to get much for them. And we end up in a in a situation where, you know, we're kind of stuck with them. And, and that investment never really has any regain. We never really managed to recuperate anything significant off the back of some of those investments. So for me, Teo and Coop Miners fits into that profile, just like Ben White does, just like Laconga does, just like uh, Ruben Neves would if he was to come into the club. But it's interesting that Arsenal are being linked with Teo and Coop Miners. Uh, now, I don't know if it is purely based on Arsenal's 
very well publicized search for a midfielder. Coop Miners has been linked with a move away for a while now from AZ Alkmaar. Is it just a convenient link? Time will tell, I guess, if this develops and progresses into anything more. Uh, but it does feel, as I say, like it's an opportunity that the 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 the, the coronavirus pandemic has served up the opportunity to sign a player, uh, the captain of the club from somewhere that quite frankly need the money and could do with the money and may be forced into taking an offer even if it's not necessarily what they want to do, depending on what the financials of it all are. So, yeah, I'll be interesting to see how this one pans out. Some of you asking in the chat if uh, a lot of those goals have come from penalties. I've got to be honest. Um, I'm not sure. I'm going to have a quick look now uh, on the uh, statistics. Can we see? Oh, we can check it out uh, on transfer mark. Here we go. Hold on. So uh, season, where is it? Yeah, it, it looks like there have been uh, last season a fair amount of penalties, especially. Uh, so in the 20, uh, 2021 season, Coop Miners uh, scored, how many penalties is that? Nine, scored nine penalties. He missed four. So he had the opportunity in the air divisie to take, oh no, sorry, that's all competitions, to take 13 penalties over the course of the season. That's Bruno Fernandes levels, isn't it? Uh, did miss four, but also converted nine of them. So, yes, uh, a lot of Coop Miner stats have been boosted up by the penalty kicks. Um, I wonder if, you know, if he's as good on other set pieces. I can see a couple of you talking about uh, maybe free kicks in there as well. I don't know if you can look this up on here. I'm I'm learning at the moment. Let's see it. Let's see. Uh, Coop Miner's... Miners free kick goals. Let's have a look at that as well. Uh, can we check that out? Uh, I wonder if you can. I don't know. Uh, type of goals. Uh, direct free kick. Here we go. Wow, this is incredible. I didn't even know you could do this um, on this website. Fantastic stuff. Uh, so in terms of direct free kicks, there were two last season. Uh, they came against FC Twente and against Willem. Uh, so he got a couple of free kicks there. He scored two the season before against Utrecht and Addo Den Haag. And the season before that, he managed one against Vitesse Arnhem. So Coop Miners uh, able to score from free kicks as well as penalties. And obviously that has played a part in boosting up those goal stats. But it doesn't matter kind of where they come from. The fact that you're talking about a player whose position is is a deep line position, a defensive midfield position most of the time, for him to turn in those kind of numbers is is undeniably impressive. Uh, so fair play. Um, is he somebody that I personally am interested in? I don't like to do this thing, right, where I just kind of become like a bit of a football hipster and pretend I know loads about players that that I don't know much about. And I don't know much about Tayon Coop Miners. I've seen some highlights. I've seen a few bits and pieces and he looks a very tidy and accomplished player. The stats have, imp uh, have impressed me in terms of the goals, um, in terms of, of other things, the assists too, especially. And I know that's not the be all and end all when you're talking about a defensive or sort of central midfield player, but it does help. And it's something that Arsenal are clearly missing. Arsenal have missed. Granit Xhaka contributed very little in that sense. Uh, throughout his Arsenal career, really. And Thomas Partey has yet to score a goal for Arsenal yet. So you're in a position where those two guys are not doing enough uh, from that kind of area. 
Emil Smith-Rowe contributed some towards the back end of the season, playing in that more advanced role. But even he wasn't setting the world alight when it comes to goals. Uh, same with Martin Erdegaard during his time at the club as well. So goals from midfield is something Arsenal are really in need of. Uh, Tayon Koopminers, albeit from set pieces, albeit from a, a rather unusually high number of penalty kicks, does uh, feel like somebody who could help us in that department. So that's a positive. But for me to to sit here and tell you that Tayon Koopminers would 100% be uh, the right option for Arsenal in midfield would be disingenuous of me because I don't really know that to be the case. Let's go over to the live chat and see what you guys are saying on the subject. Uh, don't forget, if you uh, haven't already, make sure you check out manscaped.com. Manscaped kindly sponsoring the Chronicles of Aguna. So for all your male grooming needs, be sure to head over to manscaped.com. Enter our discount code, which is 90min20, and you shall receive 20% off of your total order as well as free shipping. So it's definitely worth taking advantage of that special offer. As I said on yesterday's show, I know you people have been buying uh, because I get the feedback of people that use our discount code. So please, uh, if it is something that you're interested in, you haven't checked it out already, go over there, get involved, see what you like, get your sort of mail bits in order, especially with the summer uh, sort of in full flow now. And uh, you'll be supporting not just Manscaped, but the Chronicles of Aguna podcast too. In the meantime, right, let's go back over to that live chat. Get your questions in if you haven't done so already. And we'll take a few of these uh, before we wrap up the stream. Not a massive amount of new stuff to talk about today. I've got to be honest, but we did drop three shows yesterday uh, to make up for it. I kind of anticipated Fridays are normally a little bit quiet uh, on the kind of news front um, in terms of the traffic front. And so, yeah. Uh, you know, check uh, check the shows out from yesterday. There was three of them, as I say. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we're going to be wrapping up this one with a few more of your questions. Uh, so here we go. Uh, Jonathan says, uh, Harry, why are Arsenal going for all these cheap options rather than trying to buy EPL proven? Well, it, it completely depends, doesn't it? I mean, first of all, you've got to consider that the coronavirus pandemic, as much as we talk about having an impact on other clubs and particularly those on the continent. It's obviously had the negative effect on Arsenal as well. You've also got to consider that Arsenal, you know, may not be in a position where we can spend the kind of money that would bring in these Premier League proven players that everybody seems to be so kind of set on. We have heard reports over the course of this summer that Arsenal have this massive war chest and will be breaking the bank and will be spending big money. But as I've said throughout, until that is done until that is put into action until we actually see that business done it's very difficult to believe that arsenal have this 200 plus million pound war chest and so arsenal are going to have to get creative in the transfer market we're in a place where we're not in europe we're in a place where we are probably at the lowest we've been or definitely at the lowest we've been over the last couple of decades and so you know, things are different and the approach has to be different. And spending less money doesn't necessarily mean that you're not bringing in the right players for your club. We've seen Leicester City uh, do it in a really smart way where they've sold players on to fellow Premier League clubs for huge money, making sure they load on that Premier League premium. Riyad Mahrez, Ben Chilwell, just to name a couple. And then they've gone and spent that money cleverly, smartly and wisely 
in foreign markets and brought in players who have come in and taken them up to another level. So good recruitment isn't just about spending the most money. It isn't just about kind of who's cheaper, who's more expensive. And it isn't always about being Premier League proven, in my view. I've I've always said that. I don't I don't buy into that narrative. I think that if you're a good player, you will succeed anywhere. Yeah, it might take you a few weeks, months even to adapt and to adjust. But, you know, it the the price you pay for these Premier League proven players and the difference in the price between someone like, for example, Ruben Neves at 35 million and Coop Miners at 20 million, that's 15 million pounds difference. I would personally prefer Neves because I know more about him and I, I know that I think, well, I don't know, I don't know anything, but I feel more confident in the fact that he will succeed in the Premier League. But to the club, that kind of, it's not even a guarantee, but that kind of extra bit of peace of mind may not be worth £15 million, uh, the difference I'm talking about between the two uh, asking prices. Uh, let's see what else we've got here in the uh, chat box. Uh, where is he? Assassin General says, Harry, don't you think the lack of experience from both Edu and Arteta uh, have when making signings will cost us this season in the league? We should be going for proven players and not unknown. So another one kind of very much on the... Um, on the whole kind of thing of, you know, making sure we signed Premier League proven players. Going back to this point about Edu and Arteta, I think Jess made this point really well yesterday on on our show where we were talking about Tammy Abraham and this question came up, didn't it, about whether the lack of experience of these two people who are obviously holding really important roles at our club currently is a problem and is it going to be an issue for us. And and I've said what I'll say what I said then. You know, we're not in the negotiation room. We don't know how Edu goes about his business. We don't know how Mikel Arteta goes about transfer negotiations and even what part he plays in that. So to say that the lack of experience is a problem is an assumption and not based on any fact whatsoever. Um, Arsenal have been in this position where we've been linked with tons of players and struggle to get certain signings out of the uh, over the line for years, long before Mikel Arteta arrived at the club, long before Edu arrived at the club. And if you think about some of the people we did have in those positions prior, Arsene Wenger, for example, you don't get more experience than Arsene Wenger, but he couldn't get certain deals over the line. You don't get much more experience than somebody like Raul Sanlehi, who many of us were really pissed off about the business that he'd done, and it led to him being essentially ousted from the football club. So to say that there's the lack of experience is a problem in the transfer negotiations for me is an assumption and not based on any fact. And, and you know, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but there is nothing to suggest that their inexperience is a problem other than people looking at how long they've been in the role, how young they are maybe, and saying, oh, well, they're young, they must be inexperienced. I'm not sure that always comes into it. I think if you're a good negotiator, you're a good negotiator. Um, you know, experience is is not always everything. I, I've worked during my work experience when I was 14, 15, or 15 16 uh, in an estate agent. And there was two negotiators in the estate agents. And I know this is different, but, you know, selling properties, selling players, whatever, doing negotiations. There was one guy who was, what, 22, 23 at the time. And one guy who was... 55, 60, who was incredibly experienced, but it was nowhere near as good, as smart, um, 
and as kind of resourceful when it came to negotiating as the youngster. So sometimes it's it's not just about experience. Years is not just experience. Edu's worked in some really high positions in football, albeit over in Brazil, but he has worked at a high level. And so I think to say that he's inexperienced, as I keep saying, or to say that or suggest that that might be a problem is, as I keep saying, based on assumption and nothing more than that. Uh, Deruve says, according to reports, Arsenal are planning to sign up to seven players. Yeah, there was a report from The Athletic this morning, uh, which I was reading through during my morning coffee, uh, which kind of, uh, yeah, made that point that Arsenal are looking to bring in seven players. None of the names were particularly names that we haven't heard before. And um, it will be interesting to see how many, if any, of those we're able to get over the line or if the journalists and those kind of reporting on the club are just a million miles off of what Arsenal are actually planning to do. I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of names pop up right at the last minute and those deals are done. Names that we never heard of, names that we never considered as a wider fan base. So, yeah, I mean, as 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 Tom said on the show yesterday, are we at that place where we should be panicking right now? I'm not sure we're there just yet. But I can understand the concern from some. I really do. Uh, let's take this one from Ryan, who says, Hi, Harry, where do you think Lucas Torreira will end up? Could you see him staying? Um, I think Lucas Torreira wants to go, right? We all know that. I think that's that's very clear. And I think there's a willingness on the club's part to let him go. But you look at some of the kind of the the the, the midfielders we're being linked with, you're looking at how difficult it is proving to get some of these deals over the line. I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal hold on to the likes of Lucas Torreira, at least until they can secure uh, some midfield targets. Lucas Torreira is under contract at Arsenal. We know he's not happy uh, in London. We know he never was. I thought last season's loan was a good thing for him. And then I saw how it kind of panned out where, yes, he was involved in the title win inside, but he was very uninvolved. He played a very small part. And, and I don't think that would have done his confidence the world of good. But, you know, he's under contract and it's kind of like, well, tough. You know, if the club needs you, then we've got to keep hold of you. And I've not seen anything from Lucas Torreira to suggest that if he was in a situation where he had to stay at Arsenal for another season, he wouldn't give it his all. He wouldn't try. I don't think he's that type of player. But knowing that he doesn't want to be there obviously puts you in a place where you're kind of waiting for that offer. And if that offer does come on, I don't think you would do too much or work too hard to try and prevent that deal from happening. Uh, let's go with this one from Neil D'Souza. Uh, as there are not many great options for right back, can't we play Ainsley Maitland-Niles as a right back and Chambers as a backup right back? Concentrate more on the central midfield, centre attacking midfield and backup goalkeeper. Um, I personally think that Ainsley Maitland-Niles should just leave the club. Um, and, and I know that's an unpopular opinion, but I've been disappointed by his attitude I've been disappointed by the fact that he's almost campaigned for himself to be played in midfield. And when he's been given that opportunity, I've not once looked at him and gone, yeah, you know what? This guy is a competent midfield player. This guy could do a job in there. I've never seen that from Ainsley Maitland-Niles. For me, he's a utility man. Right back is one of the positions in which he's quite comfortable in covering. And I'd be happy to keep him on the basis that he is a utility man. The issue is, and the problem is, that Ainsley Maitland-Niles does not want that. And I'd imagine that if that is indicated to him or, or if it is indicated to him that that will be the case moving forward, he will do his best to force a move away from the club. Uh, what else have we got here? Brad Richardson says, why is the Ben White news so quiet in your opinion? I believed we'd have him now. The Euros are done. 
interesting. Uh, but as always with Arsenal, everything seems to take that little bit longer, doesn't it? And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that the deal is dead in the water. I think that Arsenal are very close to matching Brighton's valuation. There were reports a week or so ago suggesting that that agreement was in place. And then we heard that it wasn't. And it's really kind of confusing, this situation. It's up and down. I don't really know where we're at. The last we heard from Sky Sports was that a £47 million bid had been rejected. Brighton want 50. And in that case, you're thinking, just do it. You know, you're making such a huge investment on this player in the grand context and grand scheme of things. Three million pound might change you or my life. But for the football club, it doesn't seem like a lot of money to be kind of bartering over. So um, I don't know why it's gone quiet is the honest answer. I, I've had no sort of information as to why that might be. But I do believe it will get done. I do believe that it's it's very close. And I do believe that with the player wanting to come to the club, that that is obviously quite key as well. Uh, in the whole negotiation. Let's uh, pick up uh, a couple of uh, bits and pieces. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Joe P says, uh, just read that Manchester United might be going for Trippier from Atletico Madrid. Should we go for him with a possible swap deal for Torreira plus cash? I'm not sure that Atletico Madrid are going to want to keep Lucas Torreira. Now, he obviously returned, returns back to Arsenal very shortly. He's had a bit of a break. He was involved in the Copa America. But um, I'm not sure Atletico are, are too keen. The caveat to that is that there are reports linking some of Atletico's current midfielders, first-team midfielders, Sao Niguez in particular, with a move away from the club. And therefore, that might open a door for Lucas Torreira. But Atletico made it very clear early on in his loan spell that they don't have the funds uh, that Arsenal are going to want to take Lucas Torreira to the club uh, in a permanent capacity. This might be an opportunity. It's not a bad. Um, it's not a bad point that you raise there. But I'm not sure Kieran T uh, Trippier is is somebody that Mikel Arteta is looking at. I've I've said it before. I think right back is a position we could do with strengthening in. But I don't see it as the top priority. I think the midfield is way more important. I think the need for a backup goalkeeper is also uh, much more important. You consider that we've got Cedric and Chambers at the club, who none, neither are bad, I would say. And Maitland-Niles is still hanging around the place as well. Nuno Tavares can play at right back too. Serge Kolasinac is at the club as well. He can potentially backfield Kirantini in the event that it's necessary. And so I don't see this position as one that we need to be going all out on. And actually, I would probably rather keep Lucas Torreira if it meant we were more well covered in midfield than kind of touting him off to try and get a right back in, especially if we can't sign the midfielders we want. So it's it's really a, a difficult one. I'm going to pick out one more question uh, before we wrap up. And I'll take this one from Chris, who says, who's better, Nevis or Locatelli, in your opinion, Harry? I think Locatelli's got a higher scene and I like Locatelli more, uh, but he seems unattainable. Um, and that, and that's the reality of it, isn't it? It's all good. Talking about Locatelli, we've been talking about him for a, a couple of weeks now. Um, Arsenal are said to be sort of waiting around, lurking uh, to hope to kind of pounce if if a potential move to Juventus doesn't materialise. But the players, I think, quite clear that he he wants to join Juventus. And it's uh, for me, it's only a matter of time before Sassuolo and Juve come to some form of an agreement that takes him uh, to Turin. So I've kind of convinced myself and I'm kind of resigned to the fact now that we're not going to get Manuel Locatelli. But in terms of which one of them is, is the player I would like to sign, 
if I was given the choice, then of course, uh, Manuel Locatelli leads that race for me. Right. Uh, I think we're going to leave it there. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, please do hit the like button. I can see there are over 170 of you live with us at the moment, but we've only got 45 likes on the board. So if you haven't hit the like button already, please do so. Let's try and get up to 75 by the time the outro plays. Uh, that would help us massively. If you haven't already, subscribed to the channel if you're new. And as I said, there were three shows yesterday. Uh, one of which I was joined uh, by Tom Canton from the Guna Talk and Jess from Shino's Arsenal. Great chat there. So uh, check that one out. If you're listening via the audio platforms, please do leave us a review. That really, really helps. We'll be back very, very soon. We'll be back on Monday unless there is any uh, big news over the weekend. But I think we're going to have a bit of a break this weekend. Uh, take it easy now that the football season is not quite uh, up and running again yet. And uh, I can take this opportunity. It's pretty much the only month of the year where I do get a bit of a break, especially in a tournament year. So, yeah, uh, we'll be off for the weekend unless, as I say, any massive breaks, in which case we will uh, jump on and cover that. But otherwise, I'll catch you all on Monday. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Ciao. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.